Welcome to the Kingdom Hour, where we are sharing real-life stories that are here to impact and empower you in mind, spirit, body, and soul. Join us each week as our guests share wonderful stories about how they overcame Hello, everyone. This is Dr. Donna Ganny, and I'm joined here with a guest by the name of Merle Temple, and he is an author, and he's going to tell us about uh, himself and how he got started. And um, also, you're going to learn some great and wonderful insights about about how the Holy Ghost um, actually um, connect with his readers. And so let us get started now. Welcome to the Keenum Hour, Merle. Hi, Donna. It's great to be here. Well, I'm glad to have you here. Um, Merle, would you like to open us up in prayer before we get started here? Yeah, sure. Lord, thank great. you for thank you for new friends, uh, new opportunities to uh, point the law the laws to the cross and to tell my story and your story of second chances and redemption. In the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior, we pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you so much for the prayers. Um, I want to ask you some questions about your books uh, in particular, because um, I know that you write novels and you have written a few of them. Uh, but are they actually fiction, or, or are they based on real-life instances? Well, I've written uh, five, uh, five novels. I've written as fiction, names change, protect the innocent and the guilty, I guess. And, uh, but uh, they're really my story. There's some fiction in the books to facilitate storytelling, uh, but they're drawn from my experiences as an agent in the first drug wars in the 70s, where I was almost killed many times, and you know, the corporate and political wars, and um, and all my encounters uh, with what I call the unholy trinity of politics, crime, and business. Mm. Wow, that that has to have been a pretty interesting life, um, to especially being involved at that time with the first drug wars um, that were going on. Um, I'm sure that you did experience a lot of things. Yeah, it, uh, so many things happened. It's really hard to capture it all. And really, it's taken five books, and really the story is not complete. It just brought me up to the point, really, where I became an evangelist. And uh, so much has happened in the last six years because the books are my are my testimony. You know, they were commissioned by the Lord, and... Uh, he helped me write them, uh, make me a better writer uh, than I am. And when I go out and speak, he show, he, Holy Spirit shows up and always makes me way more than I am. And it's really been uh, quite extraordinary and um, fortunate to be here. And uh, and but my life is as exciting and as troubling at times and tragic at times as it was. Uh, life for me really began the day that I was born again. Yeah, yeah, that's wonderful to hear. Now, um, can you tell us exactly what was your role as an agent? 
Well, I came out of uh, Ole Miss, uh, and uh, after a brief stint as a deputy sheriff, where I, which is covered in a book, deputy once upon a time in Mississippi, um, mm-hmm. I went I went right into the Mississippi Bureau of Narcotics. It was brand new, model after the DEA at the national level, and uh, it was a break with the old paradigm in Mississippi. Uh, young college-educated uh, graduates were, were recruited uh, to go into the drug wars, and uh, there weren't very many of us to begin with. We worked undercover a lot, alone, uh, solo. Uh, sometimes we got in trouble. Uh, no one was coming to rescue us uh, because no one really knew where we were, and there were so few of us in the beginning. And uh, that got uh, me into some trouble uh, working undercover in 1972. Uh, heroin deal went wrong, and uh, I showed up a day early and wanted to do the deal that night. And we drove out at midnight out to where the highway ends and then the, the blacktop road ends and the gravel road ends and bumping across this little cow path. Um, at midnight and underneath the trees and uh, the forest and the shows of animals moving around. And um, uh, when we got to this little house out in the middle of nowhere, looks like a scene out of every bad B horror movie. Uh, these guys pulled guns on me. They decided to just kill me, take my money and, uh, and keep their drugs. And that led to a long night of them debating where to bury my body in front of me. And uh, they ate razor blades, actually. Uh, some people read that and thought it was pure fiction, but it wasn't. Uh, they chewed up, ate razor blades, swallowed them, began to bleed at the mouth profusely, uh, and, uh, and then swallowed fire. And my whole life flashed before my eyes that night. And I did something I, I just never did then. I prayed. I was a very, very nominal Christian. Didn't understand the personal relationship with Christ at all. And I figured that uh, he was really busy helping people who really needed him, and uh, I would be out taking care of business on my own. And and uh, I was trying to play the world in those days. I had to to the world. I already had a savior, and his name wasn't Merle. Well, um, you lived a very um, serious life. It's not just interesting, but a very serious life. Um, and, and you did it um, in the, you know, also, too, you were trying to make a change in the world. Not only you mentioned that you even up to government levels, you you were trying to make a change in, in um, this country, in the United States of America. Would you like to share a little bit in that? I, I, I see that um, the book that you were talking about, Deputy Once Upon a Time in Mississippi, but you also have the other books, A Ghostly Shade of Pale, uh, A Rented World, and The Redeemed, A Leap of Faith. Um, would you like to share a little bit about um, those books? Because I'm sure that it encompasses some of the area where you spent um, working on uh, different things in the government. Uh, yeah, actually, there are five books. In the order is Deputy, Once Upon a Time in Mississippi, 
Blood on the Ground, uh, now another prequel to A Ghostly Shade of Pale. And, uh, and then After Ghostly Shade of Pale, It's a Rented World, uh, and The Redeemed, A Leap of Faith. So that kind of covers my life up to the time that I became an evangelist. And um, uh, we'll mention that Criminal Minds, a long-running TV show in Hollywood, um, read A Ghostly Shade of Pale and called me to Hollywood. And um, I signed books for their cast and movie stars and did radio and TV and met with producers. And they're pitching uh, the books now for a, uh, a TV series we we hope oh. that bears fruit because that would be a powerful witness uh, in today's world, especially. Uh, oh. Later in my life, I was uh, uh, an investigator and uh, supervisor and captain, and I was lured out near Memphis by contract killers hired by the Dixon Mafia to kill me and in a standoff. And my men and I were ambushed uh, in Columbus, Mississippi on a cold November afternoon uh they had a sniper up on the railroad trestle open fire on us and um it was a terrible day terrible gun battle and uh but dramatic intervention by god god spoke to me that day in the car when i was about to leave to meet the agents and um scared me to death because like i said i wasn't walking with him then i didn't know those things really happened and uh anybody who tells you that god doesn't speak to us anymore you know, I beg to differ, and uh, but he spoke to me and told me very plainly to go back and get a bulletproof vest, which no one wore in those days. Everybody does now, and the one that we had two uh, for the whole North Carolina, and stopped maybe a small handgun, and the um, agents didn't like to wear them. We're working undercover, but uh, I went back and got them, and. Uh, that uh, vest deflected a high-powered rifle round away from the heart and lungs of one of my team members. He lives today only because God spoke to me that day and because I was obedient. And uh, so, so many of those things have happened to me in my life and continue to happen to me. And, um, uh, and we also encountered, as you mentioned, we encountered a lot of corruption in government. You know, uh, down there, just government at all levels, and particularly in Washington, uh, they're, they're full of people who have made that Faustian deal uh, to rule in hell on earth rather than to serve eternally in heaven. And mm. uh, and I've, I've encountered so many of them, uh, some who have such darkness around them and in them that they just take your breath away. And so we encountered a lot of those. And uh, some of them came after me, the governor did, when I was in the Bureau of Narcotics, because I investigated uh, one of his appointees who, who liked to abuse young girls. And uh, uh, they tampered with my witnesses, and uh, uh, I had to threaten to resign and call a news conference. And then we won that battle, but, uh, but then they came after me, and that's that's eventually why I had to leave on the Bureau of Narcotics. And, but it was only beginning of my encounters with corruption in government because I worked in political campaigns and, and wanting to do good and try to elect people who, uh, regardless of 
uh, whatever you know philosophy they had, particularly people who were honest and uh, couldn't be bought and sold. They wouldn't sell their soul, you know, to the highest bidder. And, uh, you know, there are a lot of people who resent that and they see you as a real threat uh, to the power structure and the way things are. And so I made a lot of enemies because of that. And, um, and later uh, when I was in government in Georgia uh, and in the corporate world too, uh, I I made uh, some enemies because I wouldn't, wouldn't compromise my principles. And, um, so it, uh, a lot of tough things happened to me and I got up on the radar of some very powerful people in Washington, including some in the white house in those days. And, um, uh, when uh, I found out that the organized crime figures who had tried to kill me in my younger days were only choir boys when it came to these political criminals that, um, Yeah, they were. They can turn the whole power of government at their command against you uh, if you uh, if you don't go along and get along. And uh, yeah. and uh, so it's um, it's a message that I try to take to uh, young people all the time. Our books are used in in many many um, high school, some middle school, and and college English classes around the country. English teachers love the books because they're written as literature and they don't contain, you know, the bad language and the graphic images that so many people put in their books mm-hmm. today. It's really hard to find any books anymore uh, that don't have, you know, not a just, they don't have the profanity throughout them and uh, the graphic intimacy and all those things that they tried to get me to do. And I refused. And I told them we have plenty of descriptors to paint pictures with without uh, doing that. And that I was writing books to honor God, and uh, and that if uh, my other living books that I wouldn't be ashamed for them to read. And uh, it's hard to find those kind of books anymore. So they struck a chord with my readers, and uh, we have some very loyal readers. And uh, I get letters from people who tell me they've read my books, you know, four and five times because there's so much embedded in the books uh, and uh, about life and I try not to be preachy but it's it's mm-hmm. messages things things that's happened to me things that are integral to the storytelling and uh, but I always try to be uplifting and edifying and uh, point people uh, toward the cross and got to tell you I'm really thrilled because my books are also in a lot of um, prisons at the state and federal level and some local correctional facilities. I just took the books to a local place yesterday, the entire set for the inmate library. And I just got a message. Um, I was signing books at Lifeway about two weeks ago. And uh, a Christian lady brought a man to meet me. He wanted to meet me. He just gotten out of Texarkana federal prison. And uh, he, um, uh, he came to meet me and he told me, he said, your books are there. And, and he said, they, uh, they're worn out for men reading them. And, and, uh, he shared one of them with a head of a very violent, uh, prison gang. Uh, I won't name them, but there are people you wouldn't want to mess with. And, um, mm-hmm. 
the guy read about half of it and came to him very angry and uh, said this couldn't be true, that God couldn't uh, love him like he loves Michael, who's based on me in the books, couldn't protect him. This can't be true. He's very, very angry. He was, you know, he was, uh, he was wrestling against it. You know, the spirit was moving on him and he was resisting. And uh, the man told me, he said, I thought he was going to kill me. He was right up in my face and cursing me. He said, I thought you'd like to know he, he left that gang, uh, accepted Christ. And they attacked him and beat him and, and stabbed him because you don't leave oh. that gang. And he said, but he survived. And they mm-hmm. transferred him to another prison. He said, the last I heard, he was leading Bible studies built around your book. How amazing and how wonderful to hear such a awesome, um, you know, testimony of what what is happening with, with people who are reading your book. And I'm sure when they first pick it up, they don't expect that they're going to experience God in the book. Would Would you say that? Or go ahead. No. Yeah, that was in God's plan all along. His plans are always better than mine, and to write books that were uh, entertaining. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, a lot of people who pick up my books are crime mystery thrillers, and mm-hmm. uh, what they don't understand is, as you mentioned on your show title, uh, the Holy Spirit's waiting on them, and they get ambushed, you know, by the Holy <laughs> Spirit is wait, waiting inside the books for them. And, uh, yeah, and so it's, uh, we've seen it happen time and time again, and and we get the nicest letters from all over the country from uh, people who have read the books. And uh, right now, <clears throat> excuse me, they're uh, older men uh, witnessing to younger men in prison uh, using my books to, uh, they won't pick up that Bible, but they pick up the books. But then the, mm-hmm. the stories in the books drives them back to the word. Oh, powerful. <laughs> That is so powerful how God has um, used you in that area. Now, would you consider your mm-hmm. books uh, to be like a job for you? It sounds like it's more of a ministry. What would you say? Oh, yeah, they're, they're just they're a ministry. They're my testimony. I turned uh, 71 this week, and uh, so I'm just uh, trying to live each day to, you know, to um, – reach one more person uh, who needs to to hear the word, to hear the good news. And uh, I told my wife recently that, you know, when I die, you know, just put in my obituary under cause of death, just put he was just all used up for Jesus Christ. Amen. <laughs> what a what a blessed way to um, end our days is to know that we have been used for Jesus Christ. Amazing. Um, now, you did mention that some of the teachers, English teachers, use your book. And how do, how do they use it? And uh, what is the advantage of using it in the high schools and the colleges? Um, and is that in uh, Christian uh, schools or is that in public schools? It's it's in both. Uh, so far, I haven't had uh, I haven't had anyone challenge me in public schools. Uh, many many public schools uh, use the books 
uh, all the way down to middle school in some places. And um, you know, I, I try to be respectful when I go in to talk to students, but I always mm-hmm. tell the schools, I said, I, you know, I can't, there's no way I cannot. Uh, I have to speak about God because he's so integral to my life and my life story that I said, mm-hmm. I cannot promise you that I won't talk about God. And so far, no one has uh, complained, and uh, the kids have been so very receptive. And, uh, you know, I go into these schools sometimes speaking to five, six, seven hundred kids at a time, and and sometimes just to a class size who've just finished reading my books. And uh, the ones who hear me in the big auditoriums who haven't read the books yet, they uh, told people, they look at me up at the podium like, you know, uh, what is this old gray-haired man, what does he possibly have to say that we would be interested in? And uh, But then when I, you know, you read your audiences, and I usually, when I see that, I open up and say, any Criminal Minds fans in here? And it's hugely popular, <laughs> so it has been for 14 years, and and mm-hmm. uh, and uh, then suddenly they say, you know Criminal Minds? I said, yeah, I was out there, and signed books for them, and and, uh, and then they hear that and begin to hear these stories about me being held hostage and ambushed. And suddenly the old man is cool and they'll listen <laughs> to me, not only about that, but about the life messages that I bring to them to turn away from the world and to seek the transcendent in their lives. And I get the sweetest letters from kids and who tell me that it hearing me speak, reading my books, talking to me, you know, really uh, changed their lives. And, um, you know, it's just, um, it's just, uh, it's just been a blessing to this. My favorite thing to do is to go out and talk to students, students, and, uh, and uh, they learn from me, but uh, I always learn from them too. That is so awesome. And it's a great opportunity to be able to serve the Lord in um, public places as well. What a blessing. Um, now, you mentioned, uh, you know, that you get noticed by the, the TV series Criminal Minds. How did, how, does that, how did that come about? Well, just uh, like I said, we, uh, they read um, Jim Clemente, the writer-producer there, the show is really based on his life as an FBI profiler, and mm-hmm. he was the first responder at Ground Zero too on Been battling it for a while, but a great guy. He read the book and and he said, uh, you know, that uh, he um, he wanted me to come to Hollywood. He uh, and he wanted to represent me, and uh, so he said it was. Uh, a big crime stories literature. He said, you're not only a great writer, you're a great writer of, of this genre of literature. And, um, and so we went out there and stayed for a couple of weeks out in Hollywood and, and, um, signed for their cast, watched some film, went to the, uh, set of major crimes and spent off the closer and, um, and, uh, signed books for their cast. I had dinner with them on a lot and, and I was did TV and uh, interview in uh, Beverly Hills and sister of the creator of Madman on the big entertainment lawyer herself. 
uh, interviewed me and uh, Mel Gibson's son mic'd me and powdered my big shiny head and and uh, signed a book for his dad and and I was uh, given an hour on KKLA uh, the largest Christian station in America to give my testimony to Southern California and uh, that was a God thing nobody believed that could ever happen because no one knew me but uh, God had other ideas about that and so we had a an amazing interview. All, all of this, most all of this, is up on YouTube now in the Merle Temple. If people would like to check it out, and they can also go to MerleTemple.com, M-E-R-L-E-T-E-M-P-L-E.com, and uh, where we did that interview. And then uh, a day or so later, we uh, we uh, did a book signing at Lifeway, and like I said, no one know, knew us, but. But uh, people had heard me on KKLA, and they poured into it. wound up signing more books at that store in the edge of L.A. than anyone ever had except for uh, Dr. Charles Stanley, who's been on TV for 60 years. We figured that was a pretty good company to be in. Yes, by all means. <laughs> Absolutely. Now, um you do you have any upcoming events uh, to share with the audience, where like uh, book signings or any other events? Oh well, I've got some coming up here locally in Mississippi. Speak at a library in Boonville, Mississippi, tomorrow at noon, and uh, we're always scheduling things. We slowed down a little bit, had some thyroid issues, but uh, got lots of people praying for me, and uh, I told the yeah. Lord that if he, uh, if he um, I could take that thorn from my side for a, a while, give me a little while longer out on the road to serve him. Yeah, that would be great. And uh, But I said, if I, only if that's his will. And I said, if not your will, I'll praise you uh, anyway, because it's been a great run. And, you know, he, uh, uh, you know, in life, you know, I really, I got nothing that I asked for in life. But I got everything I could have hoped for. And among men, I count myself most blessed. Amen. Amen. And, and, and it is a blessing to be rich in his glory, and you have found the richness of his glory to be able to say that. Um, but I know that the Lord is more than able to heal you, and his will is that we be well. So we're going to be praying for you also that you're going to pull through this and that the Lord also will um not only heal you, but he will also strengthen and restore you to to your youth in Jesus' name. Um, now, you also have um, your, you said, you mentioned your website, which is www.merle, and that's M-E-R-L-E, temple, T-E-M-P-L-E.com. For anyone that want to go out there and read more about um, Evangelist Merle, uh, you can go there, and then you also can go to Twitter and follow him at Merle Temple, and you can follow him on Facebook also at uh, facebook.com forward slash Merle.Temple.One. Now, this information will also be posted on our KEIFM dot com website, uh, so you can go back and read um, read it and, and capture that information from there. Um, 
Is there anything you would like to share about uh, some of the miracles that other miracles that you experienced on the road uh, in your book tours? Oh, I, I wouldn't hardly even know where to start. Uh, there have been so many enough to fill up a book, but, uh, but we, uh, we, uh, I was at the bookstore recently, and a man heard another man giving me his testimony, which was very moving itself about a near-death experience. And uh, he came over and said, I couldn't help but overhear. He said, I'm working down south of here right now. And he said, I got up today and just felt like I just had to drive up to Tupelo to the Lifeway store. And he said, I just, I don't know why. I just had to felt I had to come up here. And he said, uh, he said, I was out on the street as a teenager, uh, dealing drugs, robbing and being robbed, assaulting and being assaulted. And my body was ate up with meth and the staff in the meth should have died so many times, should have gone to prison, but a, a police officer made a case on me and it turned out he was corrupt, so it was thrown out. And it was uh, right then he said that I was saved. And he said there was, he kept telling, I said, where are you from? He said, well, I'm working down here in this town about an hour from here. And, and I said, but well, where are you from? He said, I'm from Little Mississippi. He said, you know where it is? I said, yes, I do. And he said, right when I was, the Lord was working on me, they told me there was a big, big talk coming up at, at, my ch at this church. And they said, you need to come hear this man down here in South Mississippi. I live in North Mississippi. And I said, you need to come hear this man, but I couldn't come. He said, but I had this feeling I just need to get up and drive up here to the store today. And I looked at him and I said, I was that man that you were supposed to hear. And everybody around, it's one of those moments everybody around knows that this meeting is a divine accident. It's no accident at all. You know, um, and, these, and these divine coincidences happen to us all the time. And the more faithful you are to God, uh, the more they happen. Amen. Amen. Absolutely. Well, we, we do have a, a callers on the line with us, so I want to open up the lines. Callers, if you have any questions or any insights you would like to share about what we've been discussing today, feel free to give your insights. If you would like to, please state your name and where you're calling from. You're welcome to remain anonymous as well. The lines are open. Hello, callers. The lines are open if you have any questions or that you would like to ask of our guest, Merle Temple, at this time. Feel free to do so. Okay, well, we want to thank you for listening in. You've been listening. Hello, yes. Okay. Well, you have been listening in to the Kingdom Hour, and we've been interviewing Merle uh, Temple on the program today. Merle, is there anything else you would like to share with the audience? Any final words uh, that of encouragement that you would like to share? Well, I'll just tell people that, uh, you know, no matter how bad you think your circumstances are, uh, you're never alone. You know, he's a friend who will never leave, leave you or forsake you. I don't say that lightly. Uh, I've been so low, so low down, so deep in the valley, face down on my face, uh, 
in the valley, there was only one way to look, and that was up, and only one way out, and that was across. And uh, so uh, you uh, you may feel sometimes uh, like you're helpless, but I can tell you, you're not hopeless in Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. And would you like to pray for any of those out there that may be um, in a situation where they don't feel any hope? They don't feel like they're going to make it in this hour. Would you like to pray for the body of Christ or anyone out there that may be listening at this time? Yeah, sure. Uh, Dear Lord, uh, Today, I know and you know that there are people that are hurting and lost. They're trying to live for and in the world. They're in it and of it. And uh, and uh, they're empty. They've got a big God hole in their heart that only you can can fill up. And um, I just ask you, Lord, that, um, to help them, to let them encounter somebody who understand, as I do, what it means uh, uh, to be adrift on that sea and uh, to turn to you and because the world can never uh, fill up that loneliness and that uh, uh, helpless feeling that they have. And I thank you for this day and for Donna. And uh, I just ask you, Lord, to um, uh, each day let all of us who serve you, let us let us decrease a little bit each day that you might increase and that people who are lost and hurting when they look at, uh, look at us instead of seeing us, uh, they see you and evidence, um, of your love and, uh, the great sacrifice that you paid for us in the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord and savior. Amen. 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 Bless the Lord. Thank you so much for that. And, um, you know, as always, we want to say that to all of our listeners, we want to say that we love you, but no one else can love you greater than what Jesus Christ can. And I want to tell you, just just uh, get that relationship with Jesus and open up your Bible and start reading it. Find a Bible based Um, church to go to where you can continue to grow and learn from our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ because he loves you that much and he will not forsake you nor will he ever leave you. Now, um, Merle, I want to say to you that the Lord is more than able to heal and I'm believing that the Lord will do a mighty work in your life and he's going to restore you. And I pray that he will continue to open up the doors, every avenue, every um, direction that he has for you. May he give you the wisdom, knowledge, and understanding, divine revelation to pursue it. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. Amen. And I want to say thank you for joining us also on the Kingdom Hour. And God bless you all. May the grace of God be with you now and forevermore.